the big drop. We got it one week early, according to INCCStats.com, but it has been updated. The curator of INCC Stats wanted us to know that, one, it did come a little earlier than usual, one week. In the past, Taylor, oh, Colin Altavote, Taylor Marshall, Indiana Runner podcast. We are here as uh, Indiana Runner people. Um, wanted us to know that in the past, athletes who had yet to run a meet were extracted from INCC stats and could re-enter the database for this current year, that current year, with a result. Well, as of this point, there are even some top teams who have yet to have a 5K result. And since it came a week earlier, 150, the top 150 preseason runners are still left in, even if they don't have a rating. However, if a runner does not have a result after this weekend's results, he or she will be removed. And of course, things that we already know, such as as more results come in, those give us more data points. And more data points means more accurate data, yeah. more accurate better, projections. Better projections, better projections, better predictions from us. Um, you know, the the top 150 who have yet to race, that's new for this early in the year, right? I mean, typically they hold or he or she or whoever, right, holds off until uh, right around sectional time, right? So if by tournament rolls around, you've not yet raced um, unless it's like well-known. I think there, I can think of a couple circumstances in the past several years where uh, it was well known that somebody unfortunately suffered a season end- ending injury. They were out, they were done, and then they were removed earlier on. But that was thing well publicized on the message board. Uh, this time, the individual in charge is going to take out anybody in the 150 who have not yet raced. Um, so we're going to see some uh, ratings that may or may also not, depending on the team, reflect uh, accuracy in that, which will be kind of interesting going down the stretch. And, uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit ahead of time. Um, there, there may be some parallels to last year, potentially, um, yeah. with the Burbuff team, who was easily preseason number one, and then for a while was regular season number more than one, and ended the season just where we thought they would um, in terms of their, you know, their team score, their performance at the state meet, and obviously – Obviously, their place. So we had we had planned on this being a three man weave. Me, you, and Andy Cowan. Um, Andy, a little under the weather, so we've got our first uh, injury report here for uh, the IR podcast. Breaking we news. Have, uh, one of the reasons I I did want two on here was I could kind of take more of a back seat with all of the things going on and the effects of the big drop as the coach um, of the team that I coach. Uh, and you, you know, Andy and I could kind of play off each other, um, talking about some of the top girls teams and you and Andy about some of the top boys teams, but anyway, here we are. So it's not a three man weave. It's going to be a pick and roll your boys, Taylor and Colin. And I did get some of the storylines that Andy wanted to talk about. So we're going to go back and forth on these a bit. So here we go. Storyline number one. This is, this was mine. This is the one that I actually entered. I was right. I was right. My big, I being Colin Altima, my big theory about all of this is that it's much easier for top runners and top teams are made of top runners yep. to get a good rating early in the season. And why is that again? Because the my theory is that the average runner across the entire state of indiana so how many are ranked in the preseason like a thousand probably close to a thousand depends on the year right but the average runner of those thousand doesn't come into the season in very good shape and uses the season the early season you know we're talking mid-august to early september to kind of race himself or race herself into shape however the best kids and the top teams are made up of five scores who are in the group of the best kids. However, we want to define that. The top 150, I think, is what INCC stats said um, today. Those athletes come in in really good shape. And so they're ready to run. And it says... Some of them, they've been 
meeting up with teammates and staying consistent. Yes. Yeah. Coaches and, and staying consistent throughout the summer and uh, sticking to some long-term plan that a coach has provided outside of, you know, what may not be happening elsewhere. Yeah. Correct. So here's what it says. Preseason ratings are still impacting 2022 individual ratings, but not the weekly adjusted ratings. And it's counting for slightly less than one race. This quote connects. Well, the whole thing is a quote because it's right off the site. All runners and helps to stabilize the results of early season meets, which emphasis added by me here, often produce better than expected ratings for those who enter the season in top racing shape. There we go. Now that doesn't mean that those top teams are doing something wrong. In fact, it probably means they're doing something right. Sure. But they're not, they're going to be racing at a higher level. And they're going to improve less than the average runner. And the average runner has changed over the life span of incc stats because it's not just the top 25 or 30 or 50 teams now it goes like 200 teams deep and like 1200 1500 individuals correct correct so there you go i was right yeah well congratulations this is why this is why we brought you here right this is why you get paid the big bucks alto uh yeah one a little a little a tiny fraction more than one cent per listen if we get enough listens, we can get Colin up to one whole cent. So share with your family so he can support his at one whole penny per podcast. Okay. Talking point number two. This was yours. Okay, here we go. Here's one thing that I noticed on the big drop. Uh, also, I the big drop. There we go. I'm the big it, drop. Yell it, yeah. Yell it and celebrate it. So here we go. Um, mine is a small er school, big jump, right? I want to mention one girl's school and one boy's school that has made quite a leap. It's a girl's first year. We're going to start with the girls, right? Um, confirm this- small school here. Confirm small school. I think actually, I think they're they're uh, listed as a medium sized school on INCC stats. That's why I said small er. Really? Go back. Okay. Go back and fact check. Because green, the, well, the boys' team is not that small of a school. Not that small, but but in the right. media category, um, or, or maybe I could say these are these are two teams that are um, not traditional blue bloods, quote unquote. They're not the teams that we always tend to talk about um, who are making a big leap forward and uh, are doing really well. So on the girls' side, uh, Princeton, right? They've been talked about quite a bit on the message board. If you're paying attention there, they came in the number twenty nine ranked team on INCC stats. And they are up to number 12 overall. And they are solidly advancing per the projections on the website out of the Brown County semi-state, right? This was a team that was on the bubble going into the season as to whether or not they would advance out of that semi-state. Now they're projected to solidly advance and make it out, right? Um, Why such a great jump? Well, uh, they are aided by a, an additional uh, freshman, uh, Mallory Watt, who is uh, rated at what? What? Yeah, what's happening out here? Forty sixth in the state, and her season rating is at a nineteen fourteen. Um, and their and their number six is also a, a freshman, uh, Jenna Wright, at a very solid twenty one oh four. Right, and then they got a couple seniors who are uh, leading the way right there. So that puts them, according to the big drop, the number three team, Colin, in the Brown County semi-state, solidly uh, able to advance uh, to the state meet per the projections um, with a most likely finish at, at 11 from the state right now. But who knows what could happen that day. So a uh, shout out for the big jump on Princeton. You got so, anything that? Yeah, so – Two two effects to this. One, Princeton adds a third individual in the top 50. Yeah. That that is gigantic. That takes them from a, a fringe, not a fringe, but a, a contender to qualify out of the semi-state. A, bu- a bubble team. We'll call them a, a bubble a team. A bubble team. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect phrase for it. To solidly in. And then on top of that, 
they have another freshman that now Princeton's got looking at their profile here. They've got seven athletes that now, if they lose one of their top three, it's, it's, you're really rolling the dice and they, they could still make it. Yeah. Um, but they were kind of on the bubble when it looked like they had exactly five runners. And now that they've got seven, they've got, they've got some margin of error. Yeah. And this is, you know, it's probably not a, a podium team. Um, I, it's not a podium team. INCC stats gives Princeton a 0.4% chance to finish in the top five at the state meet. Yeah. However, a 34.6% chance to finish in the top 10. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, that could very well be right. And that would be um, likely, right. I, I don't have their state meet data in front of me, but I do have their all time INCC stats rating data in front of me. And this current team in 2022 is projected to be their best team of all time, considerably over Colin, guess what year might be the number two team of all time at Princeton. I'm going to guess it was the year of our Lord, 2021. You would be correct, right? So they're top tiers. Yeah, this is Mario Brody, man. You're crushing it tonight, man. This is going to be a, a hot, hot, hot podcast. 22. Numbers uh, are going up. Yeah. This uh, must be why. 21, uh, 20, and the 19, right? So this current group of seniors, they've been the best crew they've had, which, you know, they have a, a power duo uh, of, of twin sisters who are up at the front and the Mead sisters. So that makes a lot of sense, but uh, Princeton right here, like you said, has a, has a great shot at a top 10 finish uh, at the state meet, which would likely be their best finish in podium history and a well-earned uh, and hopefully well-celebrated after that day, should it come. So um, Princeton uh, moving up uh, big leaps and bounds on the girl side there. You ready for my boys team? I am because one, I've already seen the outline because we put it together today uh, via email and talked about it via our 25 minute run prior to practice. Um, and this has been a team I have been on. This has been a, in some podcasts, been my kind of like team to watch. Yeah. Well, uh, I remember on. seeing them come to our uh, first 3200 showcase, which everyone should think about going to. I believe this year it will be on April 21st. That's a Friday in the track season. Yeah. But they ran well there. And I thought, this is a team to keep our eye on. And well, that is which team, Taylor? There's Greenfield Central, right? Greenfield Central boys were the uh, number 32 team in the preseason, right? Ranked 32nd coming in on INCC stats. They have since with the big drop. A big drop. You're not saying it big enough. Well, I'm do it bigger than that. I was pausing for you to come. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, from uh, 32nd up to 14th in the state, Colin. These boys, what a huge leap. That is fantastic. That puts them, and, and this is a little bit of, you know, here or there, that puts them the number seven team, number seven team in the Shelbyville semi-state, right? We'll talk about, you know, geography being a killer here, right? Where this team is easily, easily advancing the state meet out of any other semi-state. I'm not saying it won't happen. That just the path is going to be really tough because of how deep that semi-state is. But how about Greenfield Central uh, moving up nearly uh, 20 places right there? Um, again, another uh, freshman coming in. Uh, helping out and Luke Hafner. Uh, he's got a very solid, very strong freshman rating of a 1642 on the season. Um, he is their number four rated individual. And then uh, uh, another freshman coming in there at their number six spot, right? So really helping out Greenfield Central move up uh, from 32nd to 14th with the big drop. The big drop. So Luke Hafner... 1642 adjusted rating. He's running three meets so far this year, which I guess it's not technically the max because you could do a weekday meet, but God help you if you're going to a weekday cross country meet in the year of our Lord, 2022. He is the fifth ranked freshman. Uh, number one is Noah Bontrager from Westview. 
We have yet to talk about him on the podcast until now. Shout out. Number two, Jacob Mitchell from Bloomington North. We have talked about him. He's had a very impressive start. And number three, Liam Powers from Hamilton Southeastern, who I believe we've talked about in the past as well. So Hafner, the fifth ranked freshman and as the uh, curator of INCC stats and the inventor of INCC stats has acknowledged you know, there's going to be a lot of shifting here in the next couple of weeks, right? As we get more data points. And of course, the freshmen aren't bound by any preseason expectations. I think what's interesting about Greenfield here is that they have four highly competitive runners. Do you want to, now that it says on the front page about the top 150, yeah. do you want to maybe say that we'll make 150 our, our cutoff for highly competitive I think that's pretty fair. I okay. think given the depth across the state, that seems pretty uh, pretty realistic nowadays. And, and maybe we can even go through if we find time here later and say, okay, these are the leading teams with highly competitive runners. So on the girls' side, you know, Noblesville, Columbus North, Carmel, whatever. How many highly competitive runners are there on each team? Greenfield has four highly competitive runners. And then from their fourth to their fifth, there is a 71 second drop. You want to talk about a big drop, 71 seconds there. So that's the difference between getting out of the semi-state and not. Yeah. I would agree with you on that point. Yes. And, And from their fifth to their sixth is another 45 seconds. Yeah. So if, athletes without a athletes without a result regardless of ranking are taken out after this weekend one of greenfield central's highly competitive runners three of the four have run in three meets and yep. one has run in none yep so we'll see if that athlete has gotten a result by this if not greenfield may end up going you know they started off at 32 and now they're at 14 they could be back to 32 by the end of this this next weekend sure they very we'll could, see. yeah they very well could be and i think we'll probably talk about this again later on about maybe a few other teams but um we'll see the ratings sort of shuffle around because of that like i said this is somewhat new for this year and that typically those uh, elite runners or any runner, honestly, uh, who has posted a previous time is left in consideration until much later in the year. So a bit of a, a change from, uh, you know, tradition, if you will, for the website. Um, yeah, so we'll, but also that doesn't mean that by October, that maybe the runner that has missed, you know, the first four weekends or five weekends or whatever, comes back and by by october in the tournament is back vaults greenfield back up again yeah i don't know we we do not know and coaches are not allowed to disclose this information publicly anyways don't have to message board to tell us some well not only do they not have to they're legally required not to disclose medical information of which they may be privy to sometimes word gets around for whatever reason but it's i can i can tell you it's not coming from the coaches yeah disclosing it publicly because it's not professional sports uh okay point number two from from me slash andy this is andy's thing terrific trios and dynamic duos on the boys side now there is certainly there is certainly some uncertainty to this Because one of these teams, their top trio, has run exactly one race. Another of these teams, their top trio, has run exactly no races. And a third one, I believe, it's a mix of two to three. Okay. But they have a way of, I believe, adding up the, the times, the performance ratings, the adjusted ratings. And the top trios from this year... Carmel, shout out, is the number three trio of all time, small sample size, one race. So that would be the team of Matisson. And you want to say the next one? Provenzano. And Ledke. Center Grove is the number four trio of all time. And that would be 
Mimbella, Hennessy, and Garrett. Not necessarily in that order. I'm not sure how they're ranked. Burbuff with the number 11 trio of all time, and that would be Todd, Burrell, and Rocio. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, uh, but but small sample size. Yeah, uh, I would agree. Um, I think, but but you know, again, if if uh, everybody is racing through the end of the year, then that doesn't sound. You know, if we're having this as a post state meet podcast and reflecting on the season, then I I think that sounds legit. I think those are some incredible trios that we get to watch on the boys' side uh, this year. I don't see anyone um, again, assuming everybody is healthy and competing. I don't see any of those teams falling out like anybody just totally underperforming to, to drop significantly off of that rating. We talked about this somewhat recently, highly mathematically unprobable, but more than a Lloyd Christmas chance here. Could the top 10 at the state meet have three athletes from Carmel, three athletes from center Grove and three athletes from Burbuff? Could it? Yeah, it, it could. I mean, if you go back and you look at those ratings right now where everyone uh, is on the boy side, right? So if you just want to take the top 10, there are already three Center Grove boys rated in the top 10 in Embella, uh, Garrett, and Hennessy. There are two Carmel boys, Matisson and Provenzano, in that top 10 as well. I'm going to go through and bleep that out so nobody knows who goes to Carmel. Yeah, good idea. Uh, my fault for that one. And then uh, Cameron Todd is uh, ranked seventh and is the lone uh, rebuff brave in that top 10. However, Rocio and Burrell are right uh, outside of that at, at 13, 14. So, um, and, then six, and then 16 for the missing Carmel runner. Yeah, Charlie Ledke is the is the third piece of, of Carmel Char- tree. Char- charging Charlie Ledke, sir. Char- yeah, 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 as, as opposed to jumping Jack. But Char- charging Charlie is right there. Uh, so yeah, I mean it. It is possible. I'm not. I'm not going to predict that. I don't. I don't know if that will necessarily play out. I mean, you've got some, uh, you know, really talented guys, and then you, you need, you know, um, when you're talking about whichever trio that might be, even though they're they're super tough, you need all three of those guys to hit on a on a on a pretty good day to be inside that top ten, right? Uh, particularly if they're currently on the outside of that looking in. They, you know, we, we would predict they would need to have a really strong day that they're not, couldn't, you know, there's probably one or two of those guys we mentioned who could be a little bit off one in particular and still make the top 10 uh, easily. So, uh, it, yes, to answer your question, long ways, it could happen. Probably not going to, though. Okay, here's another Colin slash Andy point. Crowded podium race for the girls. So I had said last year – there was a clear top two for the girls, Columbus North and Carmel. Yeah. In that order. This this podcast sponsored to you by Chagrin. Hey, hey, let's, uh, sorry, I interrupt you. you. Let's go back to the, the second point on the dynamic duos for the girls. Oh, Ooh. yeah, sorry. Um, moved ahead there. Dynamic duos. Girls, so the top two from these girls. So on India or on INCC stats, I believe they ranked, they rank duos and trios. Do they do one through fours, quads? I don't know if they do. Um, duos okay. and trios. Duos yeah. and trios. Classes and then schools and things like that. Yeah, I mean, quads would be too close to five, right? It should just be teams. Dynamic duos, number one, all time. And and really to no surprise here, Park Tudor. That'd be Farley and Kennedy. Kennedy and Farley. Yeah, Sounds Never. like Farley and Marley. Aren't those the uh, characters on uh, uh, Christmas Story? Jacob Marley is. I don't think Farley's no, one. Is that a Christmas story? Is that a Christmas story? Is that what it is? The Charles Dickens one? It's a Christmas Tale? Tale, tale yeah, of Christmas. Christmas Carol. Christmas, Christmas Carol. Carol. Okay. There we, we go. Hey. We knew we'd get there eventually. Hey, it's still August, people. I'm not yet in Christmas mode. We're getting there. But Farley and Marley, I think, are the guys. But uh, Farley and Kennedy, though, way younger, I don't, I don't way think faster. I don't think it's Farley, dude. Ah, uh, somebody, you know what? Fact check us on the message board. Let us know. Oh, they, they, oh, they will. They will. Uh, but anyway, Farley and Kennedy, faster, younger, and uh, way more exciting to talk about in this podcast. So hit it. And alive, because I think Marley was, I think, whatever. Um, okay, number four, Chatard duo, Cridge, and Score, the freshman. Number four all time, 
and number seven all time from Columbus North, Kiesler and Baker, or Baker and Kiesler. Kind of depends on the week. It does. Yeah. Well, I, I don't have a ton to add to what I've already said about the the boys side, right? Um, because I think a lot of that's applicable that, you know, we um, we've talked about this podcast last year about the, the girls uh, individual depth um, and how many of them have returned again for this year. Uh, and we'll just continue to see that with a couple of teams, Chatard, for example, um, adding an incredibly talented freshman uh, into the mix. And, uh, you know, I would expect her to place high up at the state meet. We'll get to that point here later on. We, we knew about the Park Tudor duo for a couple of years, the Columbus Nord duo, right? That, you know, with the, uh, an important move in last year uh, that aided their team. Um, and she ran very well at the state meet and throughout the season. Um, so that it seems to be, you know, what, what we kind of expected. They were who we thought they were, Colin. And on the boys' side, we talked about kind of small small sample size theater, right? So two of the three boys that make up Center Grove, we haven't seen this year at all. And in fact, one we haven't seen, you know, in, in, Years. in many moons. Um, yeah. And his rating, I think, is not reflective of his previous ratings at all his freshman year. I think it's, it's totally dependent upon his 3,200 time, which would have been run at altitude. So um, it certainly doesn't seem to be that much of a stretch to think that he's one of the two or three best boys in the whole state. And he's not rated that way. I think um, it, when he starts racing, whenever that date may or may not come, because it, I mean, it may come, he's, he's going to, you know, we just right. haven't seen him yet. Is the point I'm trying to make here, I guess. But um, I think it obviously be way more accurate. And we'll have a, a, we'll all have an idea of how he stacks up against the, the field of Hoosiers. And, but on the, on the girls side here, and I granted it's also, it's duos rather than trios. But it seems like even though we haven't seen these two from Columbus North, we've got enough data that lets us know, yeah, they're going to be legit. They're going to be as good as advertised because they were they were that good last year. They were like the seventh and eighth or eighth and ninth or eighth and tenth or whatever last year. So they're they're going to be solid. This is it feels more secure. Um Let's let's move on to this, and then we'll get to the the storylines that kind of impact the the title race essentially, um, which were year two points. This is my last point, uh, me slash Andy. Crowded podium race for the girls. So recently, I had said that um, I didn't project it being as close as it was last year. Where, gosh, it was like third to twelfth were separated by 30, 40 points or whatever. That I think, I think it was, yeah, something like that. I know that it was roughly 20 points uh, back from the podium was a 12th place. So it was, you know, uh, obviously uh, very, very tight. So on the girls' side this year, 10 teams have at least a 10% chance to make the podium. And it is more of a crowded race up top. And from number three to number eight, the, the gap between metal chances goes from 64%, that would be Carmel, shout out, number three, down to North Central. Well, North Central at number eight has a 39% chance, but Hamilton Southeastern at number six has a 35% chance. That's not a very wide gap. And if we look at the state meet simulation here, the average score, so they do 10,000 simulations of the IHSAA tournament culminating in the state meet. And the gap between Carmel at number three, shout out, and Concordia at number 10 is only separated by 81 points. Carmel's average. 201 Concordia's average 282 and the gap between Carmel at number three and Hamilton Southeastern at number eight is 201 to 240 that's not a lot no it isn't it's going to be really close again this year um you know I, I said this on the podcast that we did on uh Sunday night uh prior to the big drop that uh there are two teams that what are keeps what do you keep saying like that Oh, I'm sorry. The big drop. The big drop. There we go. 
Um, I, I said that there were two teams that were a clear uh, and far away from the field. And then there's a big bunch of teams that are right there, kind of on the next tier, I think is how I called it. Um, so that, that seems, especially if, you know, if we're talking about 10% right now, right. I think that's pretty realistic. I think the, the field may narrow some, or, you know, maybe there are a couple of teams that won't quite be in the mix late in the year because things happen along the way. But, um, that, that sounds, you know, sounds pretty realistic. Again, I don't think that, uh, 12th place will be, th uh, that close to the podium uh, as it was last year, but, um, stranger things have happened. And there's, there's some of those teams of those top eight teams. There are three of them that have an important score that hasn't competed yet. Right. And so as that score potentially, and we don't know, um, well, some of we know gets, you know, extracted and then re-entered into the database, like that could move things around for them. Yeah. And then the other question is, if you sit, if an athlete sits one race or two races, that could be part of a strategic year-long thing. Sure. Once it gets to more than that, you have to think that there's a reason that an athlete may not be running for more than two races in a row. And then how does that impact someone as they come, as he or she comes back in? Yeah. And yeah. I don't know. And again, we, we, I want to say we don't know, but uh, to some extent that we know, but we're <laughs> not going to say here. No, because we're actually bound by certain privacy agreements to not disclose certain information for kids. And so we're here as the Indiana runner guys, not as the, uh, as representatives of our, of our school. Right. Well, and here's how I could answer that question in general. And that is if in general, if, in general, if we look back to last year, um, I, you know, the Burbuff Braves, the boys that they, they, they come to mind here, right? They had boys who didn't run, like you said, for more than two consecutive meets, most of them throughout the whole regular season. And I know I had said multiple times, uh, well, I don't know. I, I wouldn't put them ahead of this team because they're not running. And like, this is all we know. And if they were ready to go, they'd probably be running. Right. And I said all these things. And then they came out in tournament season and they ran and very well, uh, and finished uh, first place at the state meet last year, which is all that matters, uh, certainly to those boys and their coach. Um, and I was wrong, and I and I totally missed it. But we we can only go off the information we have. So it's certainly possible that uh, someone who has missed uh, consecutive races uh, for no, no matter which team uh, may come back late in the season and be ready to go and pick up as if nothing ever happened and and really help their team. Um, or, you know, the, something else could happen. I mean, you know, who knows? So um, I guess that's one way to look at it, that the rebuff really is a bit of a trendsetter in that, because typically um, I, I can't say that, I'm, at least in the terms of, of those numbers, that it would happen or happen frequently. Yeah, and I think it, it, it's actually possible right now, and we're, we're going to get to the break, and then we'll get to kind of the top two storylines um, that you had pulled out from this. I actually think it's possible that it's it, it's at its most accurate point now because my guess would be athletes that haven't run yet may not run this weekend either. Top yeah. athletes who some of them or many of them or most of them probably are on progressions to return to, to train and, and certainly to race. And so it may be at its most accurate now um, before it's a lot less accurate as some of those are extracted from the database and then entered back in when they begin racing again, which is why we're doing it right now, because it's the big drop. The big drop. All right. And we will get back to more storylines after the break. State championship winning coach Scott Litzkin shares his perspective on what it takes to achieve excellence in high school cross country. While addressing the mental and physical elements of distance running, Scott provides details about how to create successful teams. Additionally, he addresses how he overcomes pitfalls to achieve the peak of success as a high school cross country coach. 
His teams have won four Indiana State Championships and have competed at the Nike National Cross Country Championships three times. The book is only available on Amazon. Search for Scott Lidskin. And we're back. Okay. Hey, wait, wait, so, wait. Can I try this real quick? Are you ready? The big drop. Is that better? It's it's better. Okay, I practiced. I answered your question. Yes, it's better. The big drop. We're covering the big drop on the Indiana Runner podcast. INCC Stats has dumped all their data and re. Well, I shouldn't say they've redone. They've they've established baselines for this 2022 season. It still does include for now, at least for now, the uh, preseason ratings, and that will change over the next week or next two weeks probably. So, hey, Colin, uh, by the way, we're talking about change on the site, right? Um, yes, the preseason ratings will eventually go away. But the other important rating for for many uh, of, of the top teams we've talked about, because there were two uh, significant 4K meets that happened, one hosted by yes. Zionville, the other by Brownsburg. As the season goes on, that 4K will be taken out of the results, right? So uh, whether that's good or bad for, for you as an individual, your team, or you're the fan of some whatever um, eventually that race uh, or those two races any kind of 4k will be eliminated from uh, the whole configuration so here were your two two big points that both impact the um, team race I suppose and the all-time team things yeah. first one on the girls side Columbus North and Noblesville who's the real number one Columbus North has the lowest team rating, and the team rating is based on the rating of the top five athletes, in this case girls, on the team. Yep. Columbus North's team rating is 136. Noblesville is the number two team based on team rating, the top five. Noblesville's team rating 143, so very close. Yeah. However, Noblesville is afforded a 50% chance to win the state meet, and Columbus North is given a 27.2% chance to win the state meet. So basically, half of Noblesville's chances, even though Columbus North has a better team rating. Why is that? Well, I can't explain that just yet. Probably it's the depth of Noblesville, I guess, is really the answer, right? I mean, they're, you know, we've been able to witness it firsthand. I talked about it the other day when we had our, our podcast here recently. Um, they're they're just so crazy deep. It can throw more and more at any team, um, including Columbus North. I talked about a two-tiered system last time I was here, and the top tier being both Columbus North and Noblesville. You already mentioned one of the big points, right? Uh preseason uh percentage right likelihood of winning the state championship noblesville 36 columbus north 27.8 now with the big drop as you've said noble big drop there we go noblesville 50 percent and columbus north 27.2 so a slight drop in uh columbus north just a barely but a huge a uh, huge yeah uh, a huge uh gain there for the noblesville millers um now, here's here's the obvious point, right? So Southern Indiana, take a breath. We know Columbus North, they have not run all of their top girls yet. Some of them did run at a smaller meet at Brown County, but it wasn't everybody altogether. While we have seen in uh, two meets, I believe, the Noblesville girls put all of their projected pieces together, including a top freshman they had come in. Um, so, so we have a, a somewhat of a, of a clear picture, at least uh, how Noblesville is today. Uh, this Saturday, though, Colin, hang on. What are you doing on Saturday? Going to the Brownsburg invite. That's that's actually a really good answer for you and your direct deposit. If you are not going to be in attendance at the Brownsburg invite, because Colin and I will be there, then maybe you hop in the car and you drive south or north or east or west depending on where you live we do not know uh, where you live yeah it doesn't we, matter hey, two percent of our listeners come from germany 
hop on a flight now. You'll probably make it um, to the Rick Weinheimer invite where uh, hosted by Columbus North, obviously, uh, where Columbus North and Noblesville will go head to head for the first time this season. Now, we have no inside information, right? We didn't ask these coaches. And even if we did, remember, we're not out here spilling all of their secrets, especially because we're not really telling all of ours, as has been highlighted previously. Uh, but the uh, we would suspect, given past um, actions, right, if we can use past uh, uh, actions to predict future actions, right, behaviors, what seems have reasonable. you, seems reasonable, then it's highly likely that both Columbus North and Noblesville would put all their best girls out there to race one another head-to-head um, on what is an incredibly incredibly fast course uh, so i think we'll have um a decent picture uh of this i i uh you know i don't know i can't say or predict what's going to happen obviously um but i i think it i think it will be pretty close i think if it, it first of all I th- all right I'll, I'll say this i think it will be close right i mean i think it'll be close i think if one team dominates the other right blows out the other and, and they're all healthy right everybody's out there running there's no no cards uh, held to the chest right they're all out there going if one team dominates another it, it would be really really tough for any team to come back on on the winning uh, team down at the Rick Weinheimer invite, right? I, I think it w- will just be incredible because this team that we've been able to witness with Noblesville is so strong. So either they will go out and and it, like again, I predict a close performance. Maybe they dominate. Maybe they don't. Maybe Columbus North dominates. Maybe they don't. I don't know who slaughters who, but I do know. Uh, that it, you know, it, we'll see each other again down the line uh, at another invite. I believe at Brown County, maybe. I don't. No, Noblesville not going to Brown County. Cool. Well, Noblesville is going to be somewhere other than Brown County. You heard it here, folks. They're going to Wildcat Invite, I believe. Oh, you know what? I I did know that. That's a good call. Good catch on that. Um, uh, but they'll see each other at the state meet, which will be most important, and we'll find out there. So, um, anyway, the, that's the storyline, right? Is state uh, state state, state meet simulations. Noblesville average 137, Columbus North average 151. So the two teams are separated in the state meet average by a scant 14 points. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. So we'll see if the, the gap continues to widen as it did with Noblesville, or are they just going to bump because they're racing earlier and Columbus North hasn't raced and things will sort of find its level, uh, water will find its level here after uh, this weekend. I think Columbus North not having raced, I believe if they would have raced based on my projections, um, which are maybe not quite as statistically driven as INCC stats, stats is short for statistics. Um, I I think Columbus North would have seen improvements to their average, including the only ones the only athletes still factoring in for Columbus North are those ranked in the top. It says 150, but I'm looking at a sixth runner who is ranked at 158. I think they've added at least one athlete that maybe didn't run last year for whatever reason, but I think they've got one or two um, that didn't run last year, but should or could factor into the scoring. Sure. Well, that would certainly make sense by, you know, checking out the results from other other performances, other meets. I I I love INCC stats. INCC stats has made my job or role, I guess, on Indiana Runner so much simpler because it it uh aggregates all of the information and kind of spits it out in ways it's very easy to understand. INCC stats is essentially saying that Columbus North is the best team, but Noblesville is the favorite. Yeah. I still like Columbus North. Okay. You heard it here first. Ready for the last part? You heard it here on a lot of them. Uh, yes, this was the one that I really would have liked Andy to be here on. Um, but uh, let's – we got to talk about the whole state, so here we go. Here we go. Well, um, I guess what? Co- You're not privy to the information that Taylor and I talked about on our run today. That was a private conversation. Yeah, most of the conversation was around, hey, Colin, slow down. This pace is way too fast. I can't <laughs> that, was, that was not it. 
Um, I coach at this school, but I do not coach this team. So there we go. Um, and that is the Carmel boys, right? Is this uh sh shout out, right? Is this uh the big drop? There we go. Historic boys team, right? Um, let's let's kind of dive into some numbers here, Colin. Um, with the big drop, the Carmel boys have a rating of 66, right? That is the number two team, according to INC stats. So let's say number two rating. Small sample size. And, and it's small, yeah, we, we can't, we're, we're working with that. Uh, do the best you can. Uh, with a, a number two team, uh, 66 all time behind Carmel's uh, team in 1981. Were you alive in 81? No. Uh, neither was I. Uh, I was born in a year that Indiana won the national championship in men's basketball, but it was 87, not 81. Good Nor year. 76, 53, or 40. Those are the five years. If you, you born in that. 40, you look pretty good. <laughs> my uh, father apparently was a big booster in 53 my mother was a very small child then a baby one might say yeah um well uh carmel's 81 team had a has a rating of 61 um so they're they're obviously uh really really close the uh carmel boys uh as of right now have two in the top five including the number one athlete three in the top 16 yeah, but 16 isn't a cutoff. Well, 15. Well, you know what? They're all arbitrary, so it could be. I guess. I mean, like round, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. Yeah, but you could do, you know, a baker's dozen plus, you know, whatever. You can do whatever you want. All right. I, you, know, look, you know what? If you don't like it, start your own podcast. <laughs> this is awkward. Um, three in the top 16 and four in the top. 20 20 right? that's a cutoff there you go nice There's round number right there for the top 20 let me compare that to two other top teams that we've already mentioned tonight who have lots of firepower and could contend for a state title one the center grove trojans they have three boys in the top 10 and the Burbuff braves have three in the top 14 top right 15. did i say 15 or 14 you said 14, but 14 is not a cutoff. 15. Okay. Their third happens to be 14, but he's. Well, right. But no one's like, ah, my goal is to be in the top 14 at the state meet. Like, oh, 15. Oh, they give, you know, uh, 20 medals and 25 Allstate. And they're, you know, people complain right. about that. Again, they're two different entities who do this. I know. Just calm down. But it could be anything. Um, uh, so, anyway. More than you are. <laughs> Um, so anyway, I think we could be watching right now the greatest boys team in the history of Indiana high school cross country. And we've said this a few times before. Let me take you back in the way back machine. Uh, the current Center Grove boys uh, class, senior class, that is right. Um, after their really strong performance as a freshman year, we thought, oh, my God, this could be. A, we probably used the word dynasty. I believe we probably said that. At least we some. We didn't have a podcast back then, but yeah, just kind of general. But we did at meets. at meets and probably exchange text messages and and have a diet coke at a post race meal. I don't drink diet coke. Coke drink zero. Cherry cherry Pepsi or something ridiculous. Oh, I did. I did have those cherry cokes, and then the guy didn't charge me for them. Yeah, he probably charged me for them. So no, we looked through your. You know, keep going. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so, so we said this could be it. Then, um, you know, some, some changes to the roster happened, right? They lost their number one runner, uh, to, uh, you know, transfer move out, I guess, uh, to a different state, uh, in consecutive years. And then, uh, now one of those individuals has returned in a high profile way. Um, but we, we kind of thought that then we go back to, uh, last summer, right? We're going into the 2021 season and we said, man, this Burbuff Braves team, man, they, they look super deep, super competitive. Like, well, I mean, they're super strong up front, I guess I should say, but they're super competitive. Um, this could be the greatest team of all time, right? This could very well be it. We, we might be witnessing this because we had talked in uh, in depth about the, uh, you know, greatness on the girls' individual side. And this was mm -hmm. part of the greatness on the team side and the boys. Um, 
They obviously had some struggles throughout the season. We've talked about that ad nauseum. We don't need to go into that. But they did finish the season, the number one team in the state. And that's all that matters. Number uh, 14 all-time and number five state meet performance. Yeah. And I, and I think if they had had the pieces and run throughout the year or whatever, then maybe they would be higher up than that number five. Uh, well, then So their, their state meet performance, if you extrapolate that out for a whole season, would be ranked sixth all-time. And, and that sounds probably about more accurate to where yeah. they do that, that or better. Yeah. Right. So um, now we enter this season with a team that could very well walk away as, as the greatest of all time on the boys side and in Indian high school, cross country, small, small so, sample size, small sample size. But I think that's something to continue to watch and pay attention to, because it doesn't really matter where that team is located or who might coach that team. If, if we, as as coaches and fans of the sport get to witness uh, the best who have ever done it in our state, then we should respect that and be excited about it and certainly cheer for the kids because that's a different story regardless of how you feel. If it's your team, not your team, definitely don't like that one team in Southern Hamilton County, whatever your feeling is on that. Uh, but we should witness respect and appreciate the fact that we could see the the best ever uh, as of today. So uh, again, long way to go, small sample size, as Colin has said, but this could be really exciting, fun down the line for, for those boys. Small sample size. However, as of right now, I just noticed this. As of right now, the all-time INCC stats page, small sample size. Number two, Carmel, 2022. Small sample size. Number three, not a small sample size. Columbus North, 2009. I believe you were. Uh, I see some that. similarities between the two teams yeah. in this very small sample size that we have. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, we got a lot of good feedback on, on one of our sections last time, which was gossip, guys. You want to do some follow ups? I can do some follow ups. Okay. Here we go. Uh, reverse order of what we talked about Russell Westbrook and draft picks to the Pacers for Buddy Heald andor Miles Turner. Uh, Greg Doyle from I the Indy Star Sports columnist must be a big fan of the podcast. He uh, wrote a column about it. Uh, I didn't read it, not because I don't have a subscription. I do, um, but because I don't really care for Greg Doyle's work most of the time. Um, okay. <laughs> and if he's listening to this, I'd be like, yeah, you know what? I kind of get it. I'm not for everybody. Well, if he's listening to this, then you probably just lost him as a listener, right? So on one hand, you thought he was going to be listening, then he, you know. Whatever. Uh, and, Andy, Cal Andy Cal to go to a third platform. Help us out. Uh, okay, here we go. Which team might trade for Jimmy Garoppolo? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? There was news on this today. Uh, tell guys. me all about it, Jay Leno. Okay, so Jimmy Garoppolo agreed to a restructured deal to stay in San Francisco as the backup. Okay. However, it includes a no trade clause. And at the end of this season, he's free to leave on his own Honda Accord. So uh, he can go wherever he wants and sign with any team that he wants. And San Francisco has nothing to say about that and won't get anything in return. And I also have a subscription to The Athletic. I haven't read the article, but it came up on one of my social media feeds and it said, the Garoppolo, the Garoppolips is upon us. The Garoppolips. Okay. The Garoppolips. Well, I'm going to stick to my original prediction that he will, well, for half of it's already true, that he'll stick it out in San Francisco. Yeah. And then the back half, I, I will stay with and believe that he will be suited up for our Indianapolis Colts next year because that seems to be the trend uh, recently uh, ever since that one guy with the beard who likes to read a lot of books left us. So who apparently gossip guys is uh, enrolled in graduate school. Got a lot of time on his hands. Why not? He's just copying. I already have a master's degree. He's just copying off of me. I, you know what? That's it. I bet a former professional NFL quarterback would love to be Colin Altima. I think that's what they probably talk about that at the meetings together. Hey, they probably all get together and say, you know what? I'd like to be Colin Altima. And Peyton Manning probably chimes and says, that guy, he knows his stuff. Well, they're probably not meeting with Greg Doyle after this podcast. I'll tell you that. All right, here we go. The last one. Kim Kardashian is single. We talked about people that we could potentially set her up with. And yeah. I said that uh, my guy Tom Ullman, a little out of her league. You didn't like that as much. However, I've heard from our 
senior correspondent on all things Tom Ullman. And Andy Cowan agrees that Tom Ullman is out of Kim Kardashian's league. However, Tom Ullman himself replied and said that he saw you biking on the Monon. I was going to bring this up. Yeah, that's and right. said that it's unfortunate that you're off the market because he thinks Kim Kardashian might be interested in you. If if uh, Kim Kardashian's interested in me, that would be a shock, right? Yes, yesterday on the Monon, uh, Tom Ullman and I ran into one another going opposite directions. I was, uh, it was uh, the tra uh, torrential, torrential, there we go, torrential rainstorm, right? I mean, he's pounding us down the Monon on the bike. We did not plan well for this. And I was wearing a white shirt, so uh, also didn't, wasn't ready for the rain. Uh, sorry, everybody. But uh, yeah, you get, you get that. Don't apologize to Kim Kardashian. Well, uh, maybe I was waiting for her to be out there, run into her on the moan on in Indianapolis uh, so I can give her a real piece of my mind. Um, but uh, no, I think uh, I'm going to stick with my boy, Tom. I think he can uh, I think he can make it happen if that's what he wants. Right. Dream big. You never know. Uh, you know she's working her way through the uh, country. So, you know, why not? I don't. I think he's out of her league. Uh, you want to do coaching corner? What are we what are we doing now? This week for practice. This week practice. Uh, you know what? I, I wish I could have more excitement here. It's just kind of a similar structure to the last time, right? We did our Guess what? really good distance training is consistent and also kind of boring. Yeah. You got to embrace the, the boredom and embrace the consistency and just being uncomfortable. But um, Monday was uh, our long run. Monday was yesterday. So that's when we saw on the, on the uh, Monon. So we got that in and uh, tomorrow, We'll travel to the beautiful Northview Church. Uh, thank you for hosting us, uh, where we will get our uh, workout in, a uh, little continuous interval work. And then um, we'll have a group that races at Brownsburg uh, for a 5K this Saturday. And then a group that will stay back and do um, a bit of a workout instead. And then, uh, you know, race later on. So um, anyway, that's uh, the plan thus far. What uh, what do you got cooking there on the uh, boys' hound side? So we did our long run on Monday. Uh, some of the boys went right out to Northview to get it all in on the grass. Some of them, their long run is so long that the storms cut it short. We were there to make sure to tell them, hey, you're uh, not to run outside anymore. Get in your car. Um, most of them, I believe, went home and uh, tried to finish on the treadmill. You know, when you break your long run up that much, it loses a little bit of its value, but I'd rather lose, you know, 5% of the value than lose the whole thing. Um, and some of our guys have gotten to their continuous intervals, their 400s, um, at a prescribed pace with a jog rest. Uh, some of them did their low set of those last week and they're going to do their high set this week because we are excited for that brownsburg meet it's a really good course uh the weather looks pretty good um and it's a great opportunity for a lot of those guys to run their their best time so some they're going to do their high set some are starting with their low set going to try to get their high set in before brownsburg and then there's still a few of them who have not yet gotten to intervals um we had I don't know, six, seven, eight boys last week who ran in the county, um, but they just did their long run and then they ran twice on Wednesday and they just ran all mileage last week. So, and, you know, I, I kind of thought we ran pretty well um, in that meet. So there's, there's two, two ways as a coach, I think to, to evaluate that one would be my gosh once we think about how we ran pretty well but think about how much better we'll be when we get to when we drop our volume when we get to those intervals when we cut back when we taper when we're peaking mm -hmm. um i can i can understand that assessment but i also think there's a part that needs to say my gosh we ran that well off of very little intensity but good steady volume and, you know, high, higher mileage, you know, 55 to 60 miles a week for a lot of those um, boys in that group of kind of six to eight or so, maybe there's a lot of value in that. And maybe that helps us race well. So yeah. it's up to the coach, the experienced coach to figure out what the best, best plan of action is for that. 
Yeah. And then and then to let the kids know and say this is what uh this is what we're gonna do while you're at practice. And this is maybe what I suggest if there's any days in which we don't have practice, and it's up to them to to do that. Fair. Yeah. Sounds good. Pretty uh pretty detailed right there. Thanks for for sharing. Um and I, you know, sometimes I field um texts or emails from coaches for support or guidance, advice, things like that. And I'm happy, I am happy to do that. Uh, we still got a little time. You want to do Colts, the Colts regular season's coming up. Can you pull up the schedule? Let's do our, let's do our thing where we go through. You tell we'll me the game that. and I'll say, yeah, let's get a, let's get a predicted, um, a predicted record here. Okay. Uh, here we go. Then we will start with a uh, week one. Coming up, not this Sunday, unfortunately, right? We have to wait at least one more, you know, another week and a half or so from this moment uh, for our long national nightmare to be over in the NFL to resume. But uh, week one, the Houston Texans, uh, we travel down to Houston. Is that a, a dub or no? Yes, that's a win. Mark it down. All right, week two at Jacksonville. We've had a lot of problems in Jacksonville. It's been a house of horrors. We got rid of all those quarterbacks. We got a new one. That's a win. All right. You think we're going to go 2-0 after going 0-2 the past several seasons? Uh, big, big turnaround right here. You heard it here, folks. Then we host the Kansas City Chiefs week three. I think Kansas City is the best team in the league. I'm not entirely sure that Patrick Mahomes isn't the best quarterback of all time. He's certainly in the top five. Uh, but it is a home opener. We're going to be excited. I can't go. Uh, I think my mom's going to go in my place. With my dad, uh, mark it down as a win for the Colts. Three and zero. All right, at home again, another division opponent, Tennessee Titans. Tennessee sucks. Four and zero. Sorry to our Nashville audience. Um, at Denver, and this is a Thursday night during Week Five. Thursday night games almost always favor the home team for the travel. Denver got a new quarterback. It's Russell Wilson. He was horrible as last year in Seattle. It's a win for the Colts. Yeah, it's 5-0 and oh right there. Uh, you want to go to week six? We keep going or you want to? Yeah, let's keep it rolling. All right, week six. Uh, we get to see Jacksonville again, but this time. Win, win, move on. Keep it moving. All right, at Tennessee. In Nashville? This is, yep. That Dude, I've been to games in Nashville. They hate the Colts. And also, it's half Colts fans at the game. They're going to be demoralized from being beaten earlier. And I'm just not sure Tannehill's all that great. That's a win for the Colts. Oh, man, you are uh, high, high, high on our team. Um, week eight, we are hosting the Washington Commanders. What a terrible name. Oh, uh, Carson Wentz is our quarterback. Win for the Colts. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, week he throws nine. two left-handed passes directly to Kenny Moore. <laughs> That's a pretty safe bet. Week nine uh, at the Evil Empire, that is the uh, Bill Belichick team. Oh, they're terrible this year. Bill Simmons said so himself. Colts. Oh, wow. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Week nine. We're nine and oh so far. Uh, week 10, we traveled to Vegas for a little bit of gambling with the side of football. So who wins? Colts or Raiders? Do not, do not bet on the game if you play in the NFL. You will not be allowed to play in further games. Oh, but uh, you can do other things and still play in further games. We're not going to get into those. Colts win. Yeah, come on. Is that a win or not? That's a win for the Colts. All right. Plus, you can't play in 11. Should we keep – can we despair? You're just going to predict every every game is a win. No, let's go through one by one. Come on, this is very individualized. Uh, week 11, uh, home against Philly. <laughs> Colts win. Down. that's a dub week 12 that's a monday nighter home against pittsburgh that's the first time we've had a, a nationally televised uh home game in quite a while i can think of uh there's a thursday night game but it was a long it was before my son was born yeah it's been a while uh colts uh, win monday, monday night against pittsburgh oh this it was time. the jets yes the jets uh, i didn't go to that one you went with my tickets i did go yeah i uh, really remember pittsburgh at indiana win colts right uh, uh, this is the first Saturday in December, week 13. We go to Dallas for the Cowboys. I don't think Dallas is going to be that good this year. Colts win. That's a Sunday night game, by the way. Week 14 is a bye. Week 15, we go to Minnesota. Minnesota, 
we yeah, took your runners, and now we're going to win this game. We Colts win. Runners, and we take your win. Oh my gosh! Week sixteen at home against the Chargers again, a Monday night game. Gambling is legal in in uh, Indiana, and you have to be twenty one to do it. And uh, every year, I take the Chargers under, and this is the year it hits. Colts win. Uh, week 17 at the New York Giants. Giants are terrible. Colts win. And then we finish off the season at home against the Houston Texans. Let me guess. <laughs> we're the undefeated regular season. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Colts win. That one. Did you add them up? Have you been making tallies? Uh, I had a lot of a uh, lot in the dub and a little in the Alcom. I think that. What's uh, it add up to? Uh, Was that 17 and 0? Wow. Let's do it. First team to ever go 17 and 0. You heard it here first. First team, yeah, that, that would be huge. How about that? All right, man. Anything else? Um, so I excited for the big drop. I got one more thing, last couple minutes. If you want to go into it, do you want to go back to back to what we're here for, or do you just want to end right now? I can be. No, let's 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 save it for later. Save it. All right, here, there we go. That's a good teaser, right? If you want to hear what I had left, save it for later. Uh, come back, you know, listen to our podcast again, like subscribe uh, rate. Uh, what else would the kids say on their YouTube channels? I don't know. Just do those things. I do not know. I do not watch them. I right. just got a new TV. So Netflix is now working at our house again. Oh, all right. So I yeah. watched on Friday. I, I, we actually sat down and I watched a TV episode. Uh, what was it? Uh, was uh, it, it was, it was some like kind of show about like high school or whatever. It's just, it was like, I don't know. Friday I, I, night light. Now, something on Netflix that we used to watch back before we never watched TV. But yeah, I sat down and actually watched TV. That was the first time I actually sat down and watched TV for at least three months. Okay, how'd it feel? Uh, I felt lazy. Okay. Of course, then I, you know, I went to bed at nine o'clock and got up at five thirty the next day and went to the meet and did all that stuff. But yeah, I'll do it. Yep. So all right, man. Cool, man. Well, appreciate you having me. Yeah, can't wait for the weekends. Sorry that the three man weave turned into a pick and roll, but we'll uh, we'll we'll pick it up. We'll run the three man weave later on the season. That sounds good. Hey, will you leave the people with one more rendition of the the big drop? There you go. All right, all right. Thanks for coming on, Go Hounds. Thanks, man. Go Hounds.